Welcome to CT Church. This message was recorded during our Sunday service. We hope you enjoy this presentation. I'm beginning a, a brand new series this week, probably be uh, five or six parts long. I think it's so vital uh, in our Christian walk. The, the title of the series is Walking in the Word. And we're going to uh, devote these next several weeks to really delving into the importance of reading God's Word, learning how to really study the Bible, and learning how to make sure we're applying the Bible in our everyday lives. Now here, I want to give you some of the topics that we're going to be looking at over the next few weeks. Uh, next week, we're going to be talking about the inspirations of the Bible. How do I know the Bible is true and that I can trust it with my life? We're going to talk about the foundation of the Bible. What is the purpose of the Bible? We're going to talk about the illumination of the Bible. How does God illuminate our minds so we can understand what he's really saying in his word? Have you ever read the same scripture over and over in one day, and it's always kind of spoke to you in, in, in a certain sense, but one day you read that thing and all of a sudden it just spoke something different into your heart. How many of you know what I'm talking about? That's because God illuminates our minds to the scripture and he allows us to see oftentimes what he wants us to see at that particular point in our life. We're going to talk about the interpretation of the Bible. This one's very important. How do you really know what a verse in the Bible means? Too often you hear someone say, well, you know, that, now that's your interpretation of that verse. Kind of as if everybody is entitled to their own special and unique interpretation of God's Word. Uh, now listen, if there are correct ways to interpret God's Word, and there are incorrect ways. And when you start interpreting God's Word incorrectly, you end up in a cult, whether you know it or not. We're going to talk about the integration of the Bible. How do I put this into uh, work in, in every area of my life? How do I use it at work, at school, at home, in my family, in my finances, every area? And we're going to talk about, finally, the application of the Bible. How to use the Bible in very specific ways in our lives. How to, how to use the Bible to make good and right decisions on a daily basis. How to use it to overcome temptation or even counsel or lead a friend to Christ. Amen? Now, my title of the sermon this morning, the kickoff, this is just kind of an overview of many of the things we're going to be talking about, is building my life on God's Word. Building my life on God's Word. Jesus ended the most famous sermon that has ever been preached, his Sermon on the Mount, with a, with a story. He ended it with a story about two guys that went out and built themselves houses. How many of you remember this story? Now, apparently, they built the exact same type of house, but the main difference was they built them on different foundations, right? One of them built their house on... No, I want you to say rock first. No, it didn't make any difference. <laughs> My notes said rock, so let's go with rock first, okay? You're going to get me all thrown off here. <laughs> One guy builds his house on rock, and the other guy builds his house on... Oh, man, that was great. That was great. And so uh, uh, this huge storm comes up. 
And that represents the trials and the storms that we face in our lives. And it was like a tsunami hit those houses. And we know that the one that was built on the rock stood firm, right? The one built on the sand, man, it crumbled like a deck of cards, right? And then right after this, telling this story, Jesus spoke these words. He says, now everyone who hears these words of mine, speaking to us still today, meaning his word, the Bible, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like the wise man who built his house on the rock. That's Matthew 7, 24. And that's what I want us to look at today. How do we build our lives on the Bible so that we know we're building on solid rock? So when these storms in life uh, hit us hard, we know we're going to be able to withstand them and come out victorious. Because, you know, none of us know what's going to happen later today. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow or, or next year for that matter. But I will guarantee you this, there's going to be some storms involved. That much I guarantee you. How, why, how, why can I make that guarantee? Because God's Word says we're all going to face some storms. And it, they might be emotional storms, maybe health storms, financial storms, relationship storms, or, or maybe a combination of a few, right? The fact is that if your life isn't built on God's Word, at some point it's going to crumble. That much we know. You can't build your life on popular opinion. That'll end in ruin. You can't build your life on cultural shifts. Those change all the time. You can't, you can't even build your life on your own ideas and principles because that's all going to come to a bad end also. Your life has to be built on unchanging truth or else you cannot sustain it. And hear this. I don't care what you've heard from anybody else ever in your life. I'm about to tell you the absolute truth. There is only one source of unchanging truth in the world, and that is God's Word. This is the only, the one and only source of unchanging truth in the entire world. If you've got your Bibles this morning, in whatever form that may be, electronic or even this old-fashioned kind where you turn pages, turn to James chapter 1, 19 through 25. These, James 1, 19 through 25. These few verses do a, a great job of showing us how to build our lives on the Bible. And the short answer is found in how God wired us and created us. God gave each of us five senses, right? Hearing, smelling, sight, taste, touch. Correct? We've got five of them. Everything that you've ever known or learned has come directly through one of those senses or a combination of them. Everything. That's how we encounter life, right? And God wants you to learn to encounter His Word with every one of your senses. We find them all here in James 1, 19-25. So let's start. He says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen slow to speak, and slow to become angry. How are you doing in those three categories? You can evaluate yourself. 
quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all the moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. The word planted in you. This morning, we're going to look at five ways that we accept and receive God's word into our life. The first way we receive it is we receive it with our eyes. Uh, No, I'm on the wrong note. Our ears. We receive it with our ears. That's what you're doing right now on Sunday morning. You come in, you sit down, you're receiving with your ears, right? Hopefully, that's what we're, we're doing here. Verse 19, it began by saying, be quick to listen. That means we have to use what? Our ears. Then it tells us to accept the word that is planted in us. We can't just hear the word and let it bounce off of us. Not, we can't do that and accomplish what God wants us to accomplish. We have to accept it as truth and let it become planted in us. I think it's interesting that so often in the Bible, the scriptures are compared with seeds being planted, right? You see it woven through the word. The seed is the word of God and the soil is our hearts. You with me on that? The seed is the word, the soil is our hearts. In the parable of the sower that Jesus taught, he said that receiving the word is actually, it's a seed being planted in your life. Now, I will tell you up front, when it comes to gardening, I am a lousy gardener. I do not enjoy gardening, which is probably why I'm lousy. I I tend to replant the same kind of plants every year after year. And that's mainly because every winter, Janet will say something like, hey, it's going to get below freezing tonight. You better go cover up the plants. And then I'll say something like, ah, I don't think it'll get cold enough. They'll be fine. And so then every spring, I go out and replace all those dead plants that froze to death. And this just kind of cycles and cycles. The people over here at, uh, what's that place we go? Millburger. Oh, they love me. Yeah. Yeah, you're that guy that never covers up his plants, aren't you? That's me. But I know this about planting. You can take the exact same type of seed and you can plant it in different locations and you'll get three radically different results. You can take a tomato seed and plant it over here in this soil. Maybe you get these big, giant, nice-looking tomatoes, but you planted some somewhere else and then they're just scrawny and look nasty, you know, and, and, and maybe you planted some in, a, in an area where you didn't get anything at all. What's the difference? We know the difference wasn't the seed. They were all tomato seeds. So the difference has to be the soil, right? Some soil is better prepared to receive seed than other soil. Boy, who knows where we're going here with this thing. So if you want good results, you've got to properly prepare the soil. It needs to be broken up, mashed up. It needs to be mulched, and then it needs to be fertilized, and it needs to be properly weeded and maintained. All of that has to be done, which explains why I don't like to garden. 
Because here is my belief, and you can quote me on this. If God had intended us to go through all that just to eat a tomato, he would never have given us H-E-B. <laughs> That's what I believe. I stand firm on that. The point is, the soil has to be prepared to receive, right? The soil is what? Our hearts. That's right. It's the same. It's true for us to hear God speaking into our hearts. Our hearts have to be properly prepared. You know, if you come to church, you're running late because you either got up late or the kids were just giving you fits. You're trying to get ready. Nothing's going right. You get ready and may, maybe even a big old fight broke out in the car right on the way to church. The devil loves to do that. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And then you, we get to church, oh, there's, you know, someone's in your favorite parking space. You come in here, someone's sitting in the chair that you normally like to sit in. It's raining outside. Everything has got you in a bad mood. But you come in and you got a little kind of fake smile on your face and say, okay, God, I'm ready to receive. Chances are very good. You're not going to receive much of anything because you weren't prepared. To, the soil wasn't prepared to receive. And that's why, that's why on, on any given Sunday morning, two people could walk out of this sanctuary and one person could say, wow, man, that boy, that was a great sermon. It really spoke to my heart. And another person can say, man, that sermon was a real clinker. And I ask you, what was the difference? It had to be that one of them wasn't prepared because we all know it couldn't have been me. I've never preached a clinker. Amen. Thank you for all those amens. Instead of all the laughter. <laughs> Appreciate it. It really built my self-esteem there. So I read an article. I read an article. This is several years ago. It was called Getting Good Reception in Church. Getting Good Reception. And they had a picture of this old this TV with the two big old rabbit ear antennas sticking out on top. How many of you are old enough to remember fooling around with those stupid rabbit ear antennas trying to get the picture right? And if it still wouldn't come in, well, we knew what to do. You went and got a bunch of aluminum foil and you wrapped that on them. And I mean, we, you know, we knew what to do. It reminds me of an old joke. I love this joke. Two TV antennas fall in love and get married. The wedding wasn't all that great, but the reception was unbelievable. <laughs> you didn't pay to get in here this morning. <laughs> the gist of the article was that in order for us to hear from God, we, we have to have good reception. And this article listed four attributes that we have to have to get good reception. So I'm, I'm, I'm incorporating these this morning. I want to quickly give you four attributes for good reception. The first one is we have to be quiet. In order to hear God speaking to us, we can't be doing all the talking, right? Verse 19, be quick to do what? Listen and much slower to speak. But how often do we get that reversed? Well, we go into our time of prayer, and we pray, 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 and then we give him a few seconds if he's got anything to say to us, and then we're done. Be quicker to listen. 
than to speak. Janet has told me in the past, she said, you know, Doug, when your yapper is running, you're not listening. Anyway, it was something like that. I don't remember. I was busy talking. But something like that. In any case, it's true that we have to be quiet more than we are probably because we're not going to hear God if we're busy running our yapper. Can I have an amen on that? Okay, you're all with me here, right? Secondly, secondly, in order to receive, you need to be calm. Did you catch that part in verse 19? It says, be slow to anger. How many of you have noticed when, when you're angry, you don't hear very well? Anybody notice that? The reason you don't hear very well when you're mad or upset about something is because you are not interested in listening. You are interested in building a case or proving a point. But when you're emotionally relaxed and you're calm, you have no trouble hearing what someone is trying to say to you. The same is true about getting into God's Word. If our attitude is always, well, God, you know, I got a couple of minutes here, and so you better speak to me quick if you got something to say. Chances are good you're not going to hear a word from God because God knows at that moment you've got something on your mind that you think is more important than Him. The Bible says, be still and know that I am God. That's how God puts it. Be still and know that I am God. See, the Doug Roberts translation of that, God is so much nicer. My translation is, sit down and shut up. Isn't God so much nicer than Doug Roberts? He says, be still and know that I am God. Doesn't that sound a lot nicer than sit down and shut up? So that's why God wrote the Bible, not me. And by the way, I read uh, not too long ago, this is true actually, that quietly sitting and listening lowers your blood pressure. Talking raises your blood pressure. Just FYI for those of you with high blood pressure. Something to keep in mind. The third thing we need to do to receive from God is you need to be clean. You say, what does that mean? Are you saying if you haven't showered for a week, you're not going to receive anything from the Sunday message? That's not what I'm saying. Just because you haven't showered doesn't mean you can't glean something from the Sunday morning sermon. It just means you'll be sitting in your own pew. It's a two different levels there. I'm not going to explain it, but there's a couple of things going on right there. The fact that we need to be clean to receive from God, it simply means we can't have this mountain of junk and sin piled up in our life and expect to hear something from God other than repent and clean up. In other words, before you do the seeding, you have to do the weeding. You with me? Verse 21, it says point blank, get rid of all the filth and evil. That word filth is kind of an interesting word because one of the words uh, in the Greek that corresponds with filth is the word earwax. Isn't that interesting? You know, God is saying, if you can't hear me speaking, you probably got too much earwax plugging up your hearing. Get a Q-tip, clean things out so you can hear. This is completely opposite. How many of you have recently heard some Q-tips? Has anyone read what's on the container? 
do not put this in your ear. It's the only reason everybody on the planet buys Q-tips. Somebody stuck it in their ear too far, hurt their ear, sued them for a million dollars. They, you know, got their money and now they have to put, don't put this in your ear. We don't have a clue what you're doing with these, but we're going to assume you're not putting them in your ear. It's like going to discount tire and there's a big sign. Do not put these on your automobile because one blew out and somebody got in a wreck. So you put these on at your own risk. That's off the point. But anyway, when I read that on a box of Q-tips, I just laughed for a few minutes, actually. Get rid of the filth and evil. Before you can meet with God, maybe you need to take out the garbage. Get rid of the stuff that is stinking up your life. You're never going to hear from God if your mind is filled with junk, resentment, jealousy, anger, hatred, pornography, or any other junk that you might happen to be hauling around. Don't expect to hear God's voice speaking into your life if you're hauling all this junk. All that junk is like earwax in your ears and you can't, he it, you can't hear from Him. You got to get cleaned up. The only thing you're going to hear is repent and clean up. That's what you're going to hear. So, just so you know, it is so easy to spiritually take out the garbage. Man, He has made it so simple for us. The Bible calls it confession. Just confess it. Admit to God that He's right and you've been wrong and just ask Him to forgive you and He absolutely will. It's so simple. And the fourth attribute that we need for good reception is you need to be humble. Verse 21 says, Humbly accept the word that has been planted in our hearts. Being humble, that simply means we're willing to do what God tells us to do. A prideful attitude is one that says to God, Well, God, you know, you tell me what to do, and then I'll kind of sift through and I'll decide if that's really going to work for me. That's prideful attitude. We need to come humbly before God read His Word, let Him speak to us, and then just do what we're told. But did you know this? The average person, the average person, forgets 95% of what they hear within 72 hours. 95%. That's why in our Wednesday night life groups that begin when? This week. You haven't joined a group? Please join a group. There's a, a several great groups that, man, they just need, they need some good people still in those groups. Get in a group. That's why in these groups we spend time discussing and breaking down the Sunday morning sermon because otherwise it's gone. It's gone. Okay, so those were the four attributes to receiving. The second way that we build our lives and receive God's Word is we receive it with our eyes. We received it with our ears. We need to receive it with our eyes. We, you know, we hear with these things, but we read it with our eyes. And you need to know this today. You cannot grow spiritually without reading the Bible. You cannot grow spiritually without reading 
the Bible. James 1, 22 through 25 says this, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. That doesn't happen, does it? How many of you wish that could happen? But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those four verses give us a list of five things that we should do if we want to be living a blessed life. Listen to the word. Do what it says. Look intently into the word, not just glossing over it. Continue to do what it says, and don't forget what you have learned. Those five things. Talking about, about that verse that says, look intently into the Word. James is talking about reading the Bible here, right? We're all on the same page. He's saying that when you read the Bible, don't try and speed read, but let it, let it soak in. Think about it. Ponder it a bit. He goes on to say that reading the Bible is like looking into a mirror. Here's where it gets interesting. There are a lot of places in, in the Bible where it's compared itself to a mirror. And it poses a good question. What is the purpose of a mirror? The purpose of a mirror is to help us evaluate ourselves. You with me? Every one of you, let me see your hand, if at some point already today you have done that, you have looked in a mirror. Let me see your hand. Well, look at that. How many of you, before you left for church, you got up and you evaluated yourself in the mirror? Most all of you raised your hand. Now let me ask you this. After that initial evaluation, how many of you found it necessary to make changes? I think it would be an incredible sociological behavioral experiment if everyone would be willing, if everyone, I mean, would you be willing if everybody you knew was going to be willing on a Sunday morning, everybody just got up out of bed, we put on our clothes, and we came to church without looking into a mirror? How many of you would do it if you knew everybody was going to do it? There's only like a dozen of you brave enough to do it. The rest of you are saying, I would not come into the presence of God without first evaluating myself. That's what you've just said. You with me? I had 10 people raise their hand. Everyone else was saying, there's no way I'm going to come into the presence of God without first evaluating myself. Right? Isn't that what we're saying? The main purpose of a mirror is it helps us evaluate ourselves. That's why the Bible is like a mirror. When we look into it and read it, it helps us evaluate ourselves, doesn't it? When you looked into the mirror this morning, I'm going to guess that it revealed to you changes that needed to be made. Brush your hair. Wash your face. You know, dude, what, maybe you needed to shave. Put on some makeup. Hopefully you didn't have to shave and put on makeup. That's a whole different sermon right there. 
That's, that's a different sermon. But you know, there are, there's two ways to look into a mirror. You can glance into the mirror or you can gaze into the mirror, right? Using the Bible as your mirror, it's never good enough to just glance into it. Glancing at the mirror of God's Word is not going to bring much change into your life. You have to really gaze into it, looking for details, making sure you're not missing something. Just like when you're looking in that mirror, getting ready to go someplace. You make sure every little hair is in place. You know, every... you need to gaze into it. God doesn't want us glancing into His mirror for our life. He wants us to gaze into it. The third way that we receive God's Word into our life, we research it with hands and our mouth. I research it with my hands and my mouth. There's a difference between reading the Bible and really studying the Bible. Real study usually involves more than just your eyes. A lot of times it involves your hands and your mouth. Here's what I mean. Real deep study usually involves you having a pen or pencil in your hand and, and you're writing stuff down as, God spe as you're sitting there quietly gazing into that mirror and you're allowing God to speak to you from what you're, you're reading. You're taking some notes. You're writing down. You're maybe at, coming up with some questions that you want answered that you'll be able to discuss with someone. Wednesday night life groups are all about researching God's Word with your hands and your mouth. Amen? Every Wednesday night, you've got an opportunity to discuss and ask questions about the Sunday morning sermon. But if you didn't take any notes or write anything down, chances are very good that come Wednesday night, you're, not, you're, you're going to be a spectator, not necessarily a real participant. That's what using your hands and your mouth are all about. The fourth way that we receive God's Word into our life, we review and remember with our mind. Review and remember with your mind. Think about what verse 25 said there in James 1, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. If you're going to be blessed by God, you have to remember His Word. Amen? If you're really serious about becoming stronger spiritually and, and being the godly man or woman that He's calling you to be, one of the very uh, single greatest habits you can develop is the habit of memorizing and remembering His Word. We have a verse that tells us, Hide his word in your heart so you won't sin against him. Why is it so important to have the word in our heart? Because here's why. 99% of the time when you really need a Bible, there's not one around. You ever notice that? Satan is always more likely to tempt you when you don't have a Bible in your hands. Just as he did, Jesus himself tempted him and what did, what did Jesus use? Man, he had, he had the Word hidden in his heart. And he fought off those temptations because he, he remembered what the Word said. Now, you may think, because most people do think this, you may think you've got a lousy memory. Let me see your hand if you think you've got a lousy memory. 
And the older we get, the lousier we think it gets, right? Now, it's not nearly as lousy as we think it is. But a lot of times we use that as a built-in excuse for not memorizing Scripture. Ah, my, my memory is terrible. Boy, I remember those Cardinals last year. Boy, they had three guys hitting over 330, and I remember that game, uh, game two in that series against the Padres. What? Chances are very good. Your memory's not nearly as bad as you think. Sometimes I get aggravated at myself because it's, I can remember words to some of the dumbest songs ever written easier than I can remember, remember Bible verses. Anybody with me on that? Sometimes I'm embarrassed that I remember words to really, really dumb songs. It embarrasses me. Brother bought him pumpkin nut, he bought it for a dime. His sister had another one, she paid it for the lime. You put the lime in the coconut, you drink and bowl up. Put the lime in the coconut, you drink and bowl up. Put the lime in the coconut, you drink and bowl up. Put the lime in the coconut. I called the doc and woke him up and said, Doctor, is there nothing I can take? I said, Doctor, to relieve this bellyache. He said, now let me get this straight. You put the lime in. <laughs> I, am, I am ashamed to tell you, I did not break out a, a lyric sheet before the service to brush up on those words. They're just stuck in my brain. And it's the dumbest song that was ever written in the entire world. But they're there. Can't seem to get them out. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And that was, when I was a teenager, I'm going to tell you, that's one of dozens of really stupid songs that are just kind of locked up there. It's shameful, I know. The truth is, we can remember things if we really put our mind to it. You know, there's certain phone numbers we remember, you know. Uh, Some people tell me they just can't memorize Scripture. But like I said, man, they can rattle off the most obscure sports statistics that you can imagine. It's amazing. Memory is a skill that we develop. Your mind is like a muscle. Have you ever heard that? Your mind is really like a muscle. My dad thought I was really smart, I think, because he would often refer to me as musclehead. And (laughs) I think that's what he meant. But the more you use the muscle, the stronger it gets, right? If you really attempt to memorize Scripture, it begins to strengthen your mind and your memory ability. I promise you that. And the fifth and final way that we can build our lives and receive His Word, respond to it with your actions. Verse 22, James said, Do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves, Do what it says, right? This verse raises the common question, how do we deceive ourselves? Well, if all we do is hear the gospel, but we don't really apply it, then we're deceiving ourselves. We talk all the time about how God has asked us to be faithful in, in our finances, through our tithing, our giving to missions, and in 
uh, with our time spent and invested in his kingdom. But if all we ever do is hear it, but we don't do anything about it, we are deceiving ourselves. The only one we're fooling is ourselves. One of the most common ways that people deceive themselves is by reading his word and then by picking and choosing the parts that they really want to follow. That is one of the biggest forms of deception out there. Yeah, I like that part. I'm not crazy about that part. I'll pick and choose. It's cafeteria style. I'm telling you, that is, we're deceiving ourselves. God commands us to be doers of the word, not just hearers of the word. Churches are filled with people that have heard thousands of sermons a hundred different times, presented in a hundred different ways. They haven't changed one thing in their life. So let's go back to that story we started with in Matthew 24. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the rivers rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice, is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a mighty crash. None of us know for sure what storms are going to come into our lives, but we, we know this much. We know that our, if our life isn't built on the right foundation, it will certainly come crashing down. Amen? We know that. And you're not going to find the solid foundation for life in other people's opinions. It's not going to be what's popular on TV. It's not the prevailing culture because all of those things change like the shifting sand. Always changing. The only thing that is true and right and solid is the never-changing Word of God. That is it. In this entire world, that's the only thing. And when you build your life on truth, if it was true a thousand years ago, it'll be true a thousand years from now. Because real truth never changes. Amen? It is absolutely the rock on which we have to build our lives. Amen. You have been listening to CT Church in San Antonio, Texas. This recording was presented in the context of our Sunday service. For more information, please visit us at ctagsa.com, connect with us on Facebook, or call us at 210-657-3578.